Welcome to Family Chemotherapy, a corner for parents and caretakers fighting and surviving pediatric cancer. I'm your host, Adriana Lewin. Hi, and welcome back to Family Chemotherapy. This is Adriana Lewin. This is episode two. I know I mentioned last time I was going to talk about uh, coping with a diagnosis, but I've decided that today I wanted to address social distancing, the new term, in light of the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. Originally, when I thought of this topic, it was actually before coronavirus really was hitting the mainstream media and became a pandemic. But now that we in the United States are now being faced with multiple cities now being kind of in a lockdown mode, not like officially full lockdown the way that Europe is, but it is still shifting from social distancing to more of a social isolation slash home quarantine My original topic was going to be on social isolation, but I really like the word social distancing much better. Hashtag social distancing is such a better term to really describe what we actually have practiced. The whole world is in a tizzy because they are now having to practice what we cancer parents have had to do or chosen to do to protect our cancer kid. And y'all, I'm not going to sit here and say, ha, we've been doing this. Look at us. We are so much better at this than you guys are. And buckle up because this is a ride that you didn't sign up for, but we totally get it. Or the whole attitude of, well, now you know what we've been going through. Because honestly, the pandemic of coronavirus has turned everyone's world upside down. Not only the people who are now starting to practice social distancing, but also families who have a loved one with cancer. So what is social distancing? According to the Red Cross, it is deliberately increasing the physical space between people to avoid spreading illness. People are to stay at home. They are to avoid having people over or visiting other people at their homes. There are to be no social gatherings and you are to avoid public places unless absolutely necessary. That also includes avoiding indoor dining and restaurants. And it includes taking precautions to use a mask and wash your hands or change your clothes after exposure in certain settings. It's definitely a complete upheaval of your normal lifestyle. And with a new lifestyle, there are adjustments that need to be made emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. When you're an extrovert, for example, the shock of limiting your social time during the most difficult time of your life is super challenging. And for an introvert, you will still feel the pains of having to distance yourself from human connection with even your small circle of your closest friends and family you will be forced into a lifestyle you have never prepared for. You will need to figure out what risks you're actually comfortable taking. Like who can visit your home? Do they come indoors or do you just do outdoor gatherings? Where can your cancer children go? And where will you let the siblings go? Will it be dependent on the neutrophil counts or will you just keep the rules across the board for simplicity through the duration of treatment? How will you attempt to have normalcy in social aspects of your family's life? What will you do for self-care now that you're spending more time with all the members in your home and have less time for yourself? Regardless, it is an adjustment for all the members in the house. You may find yourself feeling isolated and alone And you may become depressed or extremely anxious at the idea of having to get out for necessities or medical treatment. My son Evan was diagnosed in November of 2019, which is the onset of flu season. 
So we had the fear of diagnosis during a terrible time of year. So the way we socially distance ourselves during that time is probably a little more drastic than other people who did get diagnosed in the summer, for example. At the recommendation of his oncologist, we were asked to not go to the playgrounds where there are playground equipment like slides and other things that could hold germs. They asked us to avoid taking him to areas with lots of people, movies, grocery stores, birthday parties, especially indoor birthday parties. At birthday parties, you can't control the guest list and you have no knowledge of the risk of exposure. Usually birthday parties are for the younger kids, right? And so there are people who are bound to take a snotty-nosed child to the party who inevitably will not practice good hygiene and leave those germies behind somewhere. And before cancer, seeing a snotty-nosed child probably wouldn't have given me a second thought. But post-diagnosis, I look at those little kids and I see the Black Plague. Now, I can't speak for everybody else's oncologist, but this is what our oncologist suggested, especially since it was during flu season. So making sudden lifestyle changes to avoid illness was something we were thrown into and immersed in very quickly. And man, it sure did feel isolating. And so I honestly was going to name this podcast episode social isolation. But this new term, hashtag social distancing, is so much better. I think we as parents to a cancer kid understand this challenge of social distancing to the full extent. And for our home, we've actually bumped it up a notch. We fear the germs are everywhere. We fear the germs that our child will pick up directly. We fear the germs we will inadvertently pick up and bring home. We fear letting people into our homes or going to other people's homes, especially at the beginning because you're so scared of what is the right thing to do. In our home, we essentially hunkered down and went to places only as needed. And determining what is, quote, as needed, end quote, is a really big challenge. If you have more than one child in addition to a cancer kid, You struggle to find the right balance for those kids. Do you send them to school where it's ground zero for all the germs? Or do you keep them at home for something like homeschooling? The playdates you once have are near impossible, especially when the kids are younger. You can't really guarantee if that child is not sick. You know, they might be in their incubation period or asymptomatic because your definition of being healthy is no longer the same as what it used to be or may not be the same as the other parents. You know, because of preschool and daycares, we've pretty much been trained to think that you are healthy enough if you don't have a fever or you have been fever-free for over 24 hours without fever-reducing medication. A runny nose is considered okay or a cough is okay. But now your idea of okay is no runny nose, no fever, no coughing, nada. So it presents a dilemma in making a decision in all aspects of your social life. Do you let your cancer child or the siblings go to birthday parties knowing they will be exposed? Then do you let them participate in other things knowing that your cancer kid knows what they're going to be missing out on? We would get invites to birthday parties, for example, where both the kids would be invited. And we thought about letting Austin, our oldest one, go. But then the thought of having Evan sitting at home and knowing that he wasn't able to go to the party was just so heartbreaking. And the big thing that we keep being told is we want to make their lives as normal as possible, but there's nothing normal about it anymore. And so making the decision to let my oldest one go to a birthday party just didn't seem fair. So we usually opted to keep them home and just not let them know about the birthday party that was happening. Austin didn't really know what he was missing, and it was a sacrifice that we felt would be in the best interest for everybody. Sometimes complete social distancing seems like the necessary and the prudent thing to do. 
We wash our hands religiously. We carry hand sanitizer in our bags, in our purses, in our car, in every little nook and cranny that we can find. We probably stuff some hand sanitizers. And if it's not hand sanitizer, I'm pretty sure most of us carry around some form of sanitizing wipes so that we can wipe down carts or anything that we need to touch or the kids will need to touch. So I'm not sure how many of you guys did this, but when we got the diagnosis, one of the first things that we did was actually purchase a box of like 100 face masks and we bought two boxes with 100 count each of the hospital grade gloves. This was all done before the coronavirus because we were told to expect to be in and out of the hospital. Sometimes emergency room visits would be necessary, especially if he spiked a fever during his neutropenic week. And of course they tell you, you just never know how your child is gonna do. So we were hoping to never have an emergency room visit since some kids actually do really well and never have those emergency room visits. But we quickly found out that on week two, day one of week two, we had to take Evan to the hospital because he spiked a fever. So honestly, I was thinking that Evan was probably going to be one of those kids who was constantly in the emergency room or having to go to the urgent care clinic of the oncology floor because he got a fever on week two. So yeah, we stocked up on gloves, the hospital type masks, and also we uh, ended up buying the food serving gloves because in my mind I was thinking that stomach bug, the one that apparently it doesn't matter if you wash your hands or not, that apparently it's like resistant and so you're bound to get it. That's why it usually goes through all the family members whenever one person comes down with the, the stomach bug and we have actually had it every year since having children. So I thought it would be more prudent for me to purchase these food serving gloves so that I could actually give Evan his food and protect him even even further. I'd be lying if I told you I use it every single time I make him food, but I definitely have used it when I have come down with like a cold of some sort or somebody else has a cold. I'm definitely using my gloves and my face mask and all the things. I was fortunate enough to be able to purchase those before the coronavirus pandemic really hit. Coronavirus honestly adds a whole new element of fear. It's the fear of the unknown, much like I felt when Evan was first diagnosed. When I start to feel fear creeping in and really trying to take over, I remind myself I was equally as afraid with exposing him to the flu and other illnesses when he got diagnosed. And so we learned to adjust our lifestyle to limit his exposure. It's honestly much like what we have to do now with the coronavirus. We're having to calculate the risks that we're comfortable with in terms of exposure. With the coronavirus, we've had to reassess some of those risks that we were comfortable with before and determine if we're comfortable with those moving forward or if we need to readjust. So the concept of social distancing is something that cancer families have already been practicing. It was once a new concept to us, but we have had time to conform to it. Social distancing may be a new term, but it's not a new concept. And as cancer families, we know that this is a hard transition. But to be fair, this social distancing is not as extreme as most cancer families have had to adapt to. And one of the main components is the extreme fear that everybody else around us is feeling. The fear and the anxiety that the whole world is feeling is something that we have not seen in our time. And though we're familiar with the concept of social distancing and dealing with that daily anxiety and fear of what our life has become and will be, coronavirus has honestly made it a little more scary. I've theoretically been a stay-at-home mom for over five years, and I say theoretically because I actually worked and saw clients in the evenings whenever my kids would go down to sleep, but I stayed at home during the day. I stopped working altogether about 
four months before my now two-year-old was born. So I have been a full-time stay-at-home mom without working at all for about two and a half years. Before Evan's diagnosis, I was able to take them to Chick-fil-A. It was like a Friday treat. If they were really good, we would do indoor dining and let them have some playtime on the playground inside of Chick-fil-A. But with three kids, normally we did the drive-through. After Evan's diagnosis, we would still go to Chick-fil-A, but we would only do the drive-through. It was mine and the kids' favorite place to eat, even though Evan was really no longer a fan because the chemotherapy was changing his taste buds so much. But I was still comfortable enough to go because who doesn't love Chick-fil-A, right? They have fast yummy food that's ready in minutes and every one of my kids can choose what they want and I don't have the added stress of what to feed my kids because they can choose their own meals and I don't have to sit behind a kitchen and make three or four different types of meals just for them to turn around and say I didn't want this I mean I've always hated meal planning and whenever people would ask me what I wanted to eat I would say I don't know. So imagine being a stay-at-home mom and having to decide a meal for everyone that everyone will probably eat. And after cancer diagnosis, I did not have the mental capacity to do it, honestly. So yeah, we stuck to the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. And with the coronavirus, honestly, I haven't quite decided what I'm comfortable with in terms of drive-thru slash carry-out food. So back to social distancing. Um, I could no longer really take my kids with me to go grocery shopping, go to the mall, uh, run whatever errands that I needed to. And before I used to do that when Evan and Austin were in school, so I only had to take Isabella with me. But once Evan was diagnosed with cancer, we decided to keep him home. And so obviously, I don't feel comfortable taking him during flu season to Costco or to any of the stores that I would go to during the week normally. And being diagnosed during flu season was really challenging and coming up with ideas of how to entertain your kids when before we would take them to the museum or the aquariums locally. And that was really no longer an option because in close spaces with people who are probably carrying around some sort of virus and coughing and sneezing and little snotty fingers getting on the glass that the kids are going to touch and I could just go on and on forever. But the bottom line is there was no longer any indoor entertainment outside of our home. And that was a huge adjustment for us. If you've taken an approach similar to ours, you may find that you have all the kids at home all the time now and you literally have no time for yourself. You've got no time to go run to the grocery store. You've got no time to get yourself organized for the week and at least not without leaving the kids to tend to themselves for a little bit. You may not even have time to think. At the beginning of treatment, most of your time is going to be spent on phone calls with doctors and getting appointments and things set up or coordinated and it's easy to feel like you're running full speed ahead with no end in sight. So how did we handle it? How did we handle dealing with social distancing? I would be lying if I said I didn't feel depression or anxiety creeping in. I would stress about Evan and his health and treatment. I would stress about the short-term side effects and the long-term side effects. And I struggled to adapt to the new norm of my day-to-day. I think I had these expectations of myself that I needed to have my house in order, or at least in as much order as I had it before diagnosis. We had to learn to explain to both Evan and my oldest child, Austin, that we had to practice better hygiene and distancing ourselves from places to avoid getting germs, but especially during neutropenic week. And I would say Austin understood as much as possible. Evan still struggles because he's only 
a new four-year-old and the concept of washing his hands and washing them long enough and washing them before you eat is still a concept that's really difficult for him. He's a little toot. He does take off running from me when I tell him it's time to wash his hands. So it can be a little bit of a battle. But through this all, we have learned to slow down and to not expect perfection and to kind of lower the expectations that I may have of myself. So what if I've got piles of laundry to get done and I'd rather just sit on the couch and make some time for myself to just sit and breathe? There's truly a learning curve in all of this and it's a process to learn what's really best for you and your family. Every cancer child is unique and so is every family dynamic. So what works for one may not work for all. And as the days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months, you slowly begin to learn a new routine and a new sense of norm. I honestly don't think that I got into a groove until around the two-month mark. And I think that's pretty common to hear among other cancer parents. But what I do think was our saving grace was that we learned to get outside. We learned to go on walks, nature hikes at least once a day if the weather permitted, because here in Texas, one day it's 80 and then the next day it's 12 degrees. There are several research articles out there that talk about getting out in nature is truly a natural endorphin, which is a hormone that makes you feel happy and better, basically. Being in nature is a natural antidepressant. We invested in our own ride-on toys to give kids options on things to play with when we're outside. We got them things like scooters, bikes, their little wobbly ride-on type toys that you have to wobble to make it move. Uh, We got them some power wheels and we just got them all sorts of outdoor activities that they might enjoy. If you've got teenage kids, they still enjoy some of those outdoor activities. So even getting them a bike or even those little scooters or uh, skateboard might be something really fun for them to do or just taking them on a walk and walking with them. For those of you who have a backyard, Invest in some outdoor sports activities like t-ball or a soccer goal or even a balance beam. I've seen people make their own balance beams because those are fairly easy to make. Get an outdoor play set for your kids, especially if you're not comfortable with taking your child to a playground. You can go explore the trails and collect rocks. You could invest in some sidewalk chalk and let your kids play with sidewalk chalk. Even teenagers like to use sidewalk chalk because chalk is fun. Nerf guns have been a pretty big hit in our home. I used to never allow them and we just couldn't really avoid it anymore once they were exposed through other kids. And so we don't necessarily own any that they play with inside, but when they're outside with their friends, we do let them play. And I did say with their friends because yes, I do allow them to play with the neighborhood kids as long as the kids aren't sick and they're usually keeping a fairly safe distance from one another. So I'm usually okay with that. It's also fun to go pick flowers if they are out and blooming. Um, We really loved as a family to go feed the ducks and unfortunately we didn't know we weren't supposed to feed them bread until just recently. So if you do decide to go feed ducks, do not feed them any bread. Look online for things that you can feed them, but I think it was like nuts and stuff like that. As a therapist, I would also say exercise is super beneficial, but I'll be honest, I did not have a whole lot of willpower to get off my couch when I felt most distressed or depressed, but I could at least get out and walk with my kids or just at least be outside with them and watching them while they played. Running in intense exercises like I was trying to do before all the diagnosis? No way, not for me anymore. Um, I may decide to get into it soon now that I'm feeling a little bit better about everything, 
But um, I will say that my husband still worked out and he really benefited from that. That was his outlet. Some other activities that could help you during social distancing would be taking up gardening, maybe going on a scavenger hunt. Uh, You could go shoot some hoops with your kids, create an obstacle race in your backyard, or do some art. Art is probably an area that I struggle a little bit with, not because I don't like art. I'm actually pretty decent at art. I did take some art classes in college, but mainly because I don't like dealing with three young kids and messy products. I know, don't judge, it's just never really been my favorite activity to do. But another thing that I have grown really lax on, I would say is screen time. I used to be pretty strict about screen time. And after diagnosis, I just felt like this is a season in our life. And if I need a mental break or just some quiet time, I let them use their iPad or watch TV or do some sort of gaming, I guess. You are not a bad parent if you're giving your kids extra screen time during this. Right now, like I mentioned, it's a season in your life. And so you are in survival mode and until you feel ready to make some changes and maybe set like a schedule of some sort or find ways to cope, it's okay if you need to give them some screen time so that you can get in the right headspace too. When I really try and get my kids away from the screen, it can be a little bit of a battle And, you know, you learn to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. But when I do try and encourage them to read or do something else productive, you know, like practice their letters and whatnot because my kids are younger, um, if it's a challenge, I just have to get creative. So, like, if I'm trying to get them to read, I know that I can wrangle them up and get everyone interested in reading a book. If I say, let's go in the closet under the stairs and read a book in the dark with our flashlights and it usually works so be creative and find things that your kids would enjoy and try and join in with them as much of a struggle as that might actually be for you if you have a hobby like crafting sewing doing vinyl then it's okay to also bring your kids into learning that skill also and so that could be a family activity that you all learn to do together Even if it is an activity that might be something that you think is out of their age, still try and incorporate them into that craft. For example, before all this had happened, I was starting to pick up a little bit of sewing. I am no expert by any means, but I would sew for things that I felt were necessities. And so I would incorporate that as an activity during the day with my little kids. I would let them come and sit or like push on the little pedal Or I would let them learn how to move the fabric for me. And my husband, when he's doing things around the house, he'll let the kids push the little button on the power drill and participate in, quote, building or fixing things. There are so many different things that you could do with your family. And it's just finding what you are interested in and things that you feel are important. It's important to find a sense of normalcy for your kids, but it's also equally important for you to find a sense of normalcy during the social distancing. You have to practice self-care, and so you've got to figure out what that means for you. As an extrovert, for me, self-care is getting out with my friends, having dinner with them, or grabbing some drinks with them, or coffee, or whatever. And I wasn't really comfortable to do that for the first I would say three months of his treatment. Granted, the first month and a half, I was actually gone in Houston, so I wasn't around my friends. But after a while, I did make it a point to make myself get out and meet up with some of my friends. And usually I would wait 
to go when my child wasn't in his neutropenic week. And I would make sure to do patio dining as much as I could, mainly to avoid being indoors during flu season. Speaking of season, this is just a season for us. For some, it will be a short few months. For some, maybe a year. And for others, it'll be several years of being in and out of cancer treatment for your kid. But you will survive this. It's not going to look pretty and organized, but you will learn as you go what works and what doesn't work for you. Take it one day at a time, and sometimes you'll have to take it one moment at a time. Some days you'll feel like you're ready to tackle everything on your to-do list, and other days you're going to feel a little overwhelmed. And you just have to listen to your body and where you're at emotionally and mentally, and then adjust accordingly. If you're feeling in over your head, way overwhelmed, then consider also speaking to your doctor or psychiatrist about getting on some sort of antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. And as a therapist, usually I'm not one to push antidepressants or anxiety medication onto my clients, but I always tell them there's always a point and you will know when that it's okay to take an antidepressant during a really hard time in your life so that it can bring some of those emotions a little more back to as close to normal as possible so that you can function a little better and think a little better. But it doesn't mean that once you take antidepressants or anxiety medications that you're going to have to stay on them for the rest of your life. Obviously, you don't want to take them and then just completely cut them off. You're going to want to discuss that with your doctor when you think that you're ready to start weaning off of them because it is a process to wean off of those medications. But it is something that should be considered if you really truly are struggling to the point where you're not functioning at all. Also keep in mind, anxiety medication and antidepressant medication usually takes a couple of weeks for it to actually have the level of effect that it's intended to have. So don't expect your feeling of depression or anxiety to go away after only taking the medicine for one or two days. It literally does take a couple of weeks for it to have its full effect. And realize that medicating is also a little bit of a trial and error in terms of finding the right medication that will work best for you. But one thing is for sure is that we cancer parents feel your pain, we see what you're going through, and we completely understand your fears. This is uncharted territory, and it is scary. I'm an extrovert, so I miss a lot of the elements of my socialization. And introverts, even though they might say, oh, this is great, you're going to also miss that sense of freedom because your life has been drastically changed. Try to reach out to some of your friends, try and call them, talk to them about what's going on with you, but don't use them as your therapist, um, as difficult as it may be, because that's a lot of stuff that we're dealing with, and they're not really trained to know how to handle that, and usually we end up getting frustrated because we feel like they minimize what we're going through anyway. But do call them and find out what's going on with them in their life because it helps you feel a little bit of sense of normalcy too. So as I begin to wrap up, I just want to discuss coronavirus a little bit. Um, Like I mentioned, social distancing isn't new to us. What's new is the sense of the unknown about the virus and the reality that our children have underlying conditions that suppress their immune system, which leaves them exposed and leaves us feeling more vulnerable. It's very similar in the sense of fear of lack of control that we felt when we first learned about our child's diagnosis with cancer. We were afraid of getting sick and we were afraid that our child would get sick and land in the hospital and potentially fighting for his or her life. When you're new to it, you don't really know what to expect and you don't really know how their body is going to react. So we kind of tend to 
think of the worst case scenarios. So by doing social distancing, we're really just trying to regain a sense of control in the situation where we feel completely out of control. We've learned to adapt our lifestyle and put things into place that will help us feel less anxious and like we're doing our part to keep our child safer. And in turn, it helps us feel like we have more control about their well-being. But the reality is we really don't have control. We just put these things into place to help ease our fears and our anxiety. But we do learn to live day to day, moment to moment, and remind ourselves we are doing the best to minimize our exposure. But if we do become unlucky and catch a virus, we will cross that bridge when we get there. And we just continue to monitor their temperatures like crazy. And then we just know to call the oncologist or the after hour oncologist if you see a 100.4 fever and trust that Our doctors will be the front line and they will be quick and swift in getting them in to be assessed, diagnosed, and treated. And if you're the praying type, then we just continually pray for their protection. As difficult as social distancing is, find the right balance for you. What might work for me may not be what works for you. And so you just have to find what risks you're willing to take and which ones you're not and find the balance between all of it so that you can have that sense of normalcy as much as possible for you and for your cancer kid and the siblings. If you haven't already gotten plugged into a Facebook group or an Instagram group, I highly recommend it because you will be able to talk about your frustrations and your fears and the difficulty that you're having adjusting to a new lifestyle with all the mamas out there who have been in your shoes before and the daddies too. Reach out to a therapist. Uh, During the social distancing through coronavirus, a lot of the therapists have had to move over to this telehealth format so they're able to get on phone calls or video conferencing to do therapy with you. I'll have to admit, I went from seeing my therapist a few times in person and then I had to shift over to seeing her through the video portal. And I honestly thought at first that I was going to be completely against it, even though I've actually been on the other end as a therapist doing therapy via video conferencing. But being on the side where I'm the client slash patient, I didn't think I was going to be a fan of it, but I found that I was able to transition fairly easily and get into the rhythm of it pretty well. So I highly recommend that you do find a therapist if you truly are struggling enough. Um, Even if you're not struggling enough, I still think you should find a a therapist so you can process through some of these things. Because when I sit down and I start talking about all the craziness of how we've had to socially distance ourselves from people and just the different changes that we've had to make, for whatever reason, when I start talking to her, I just start bawling. Uh, When I talk to my friends, I think I seem to put up this wall like I'm I'm handling it, I'm strong enough. But when I talk to my therapist, those walls come down and I just lay it all down and just pour it all out. And sometimes I'm just overwhelmed by the emotion. And so even though you feel like you're maybe handling it pretty well, because I honestly was kind of like, eh, I probably don't need to go maybe right now. I probably could wait because I felt like I was doing fairly well. Um, when I talked to her, I realized, man, like this is this is still something that's really bothering me and I'm just not really allowing myself to feel those emotions because I have to keep it all together. So yes, I highly recommend that you find a therapist and find one that can do online counseling. But in the meantime, if you get plugged into some of those cancer groups, uh, specifically to the type of diagnosis of your child, you will find a community of people that will become your tribe and you will begin to look forward to hearing about their journey and where they're at in the process and just learning from them and also just look forward to sharing your story with them as well. So I highly recommend those online groups. 
If you're really struggling, don't let that fear and anxiety and depression paralyze you. Please seek help. Find someone to help you process everything that you're going through. Take some time for meditation and prayer and realize that it's okay to not be okay all the time. And I know this is super cheesy, but every cancer kid needs his tribe. And what a mighty tribe we can be when we're united because united together, we are truly stronger. And that pretty much sums up today's episode on social distancing. So thank you so much for joining today's episode. Next week, I'm going to be talking about coping with a diagnosis. I would love to know what you thought about this episode. So if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with other people that you know that could benefit from this. Thank you so much. Until the next time.